Amen. Hey, wherever you are, know that we're thankful that you're here watching with us uh, in the comfort of your own home, uh, wherever, wherever you found yourself today. I, I know that we're in a unique time. Uh, we're in a time where it seems like every single day things are changing by the minute, uh, by the day. But something we know as Christians, as followers of Christ, we know that we have hope. Um, our hope is not in this earth. Our hope is found in heaven. And so uh, let's remember that during this time. Let's remember what God has done and our hope for today. Before we get into our text, I do understand the nature of watching at home. Uh, my guess is right now someone <laughs> may be at the refrigerator uh, someone's kid is probably screaming, and you're probably in a chair that is way more comfortable than you would find here on a typical Sunday morning at Learning Gate. Um, you also don't have the social pressures to, 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 to be quiet and pay attention. As, uh, and how do I know this? Because, well, I've got three kids. In the past two Sundays, I've tried to do the exact same thing with my three small kids. Uh, one kid is crying over a spilled drink. Another kid is doing flips on the couch while we're trying to, trying to, trying to worship. And another kid is trying to figure out where in the world her daddy is preaching from. And so if you, have exper- if you haven't experienced that, my guess is that you may still be tempted uh, to scroll social media, to pick up your phone call that you may typically ignore, um, or just tune out a little sooner when the preacher starts to get a little boring. Don't act like I know you don't tune out. Okay, um, so what have we done? Well, we've just fully embraced it uh, and provide an online chat room during our services. If you're listening during a scheduled time, you can go to newcitytpa.online.church uh, and join our online community. So feel free to give the praise hands and the clap hands uh, all you want to on that chat room. Uh, you may even type out an amen if you feel led. Uh, we're just, we've just fully embraced this in all seriousness, though. I do want you to try to really limit your distractions. Try to stay off social media, uh, sit up straight, be attentive, uh, because listen, we are desperately in need of God's Word today. We're in desperate need of God's Word. We have an enemy that wants to do everything necessary, uh, everything, anything possible to keep you, to keep us from what we need the most. Uh, so tune in. Prepare your hearts to hear God's Word Um, During this time of quarantine, we're more prone to sin. We're more prone to frustration, to lose patience. We're more prone to disunity and discouragement, loneliness, depression, anxiety. Uh, We're more tempted to fill our mind with lies, uh, spending hours on social media, seeking attention from unhealthy sources. You know, I've I've been burdened for each of you, uh, praying for each of you by name this past week, praying for your kids specifically as well. Now, wondering how in the world we can shepherd you sitting on your couch, shepherding your family while we're, while we're here at a distance. Um, and this sermon, this sermon has been marinating in my soul, in my heart for about two weeks. Uh, not necessarily on the text, but just a burden over what God, uh, just a burden over the people that God has entrusted to New City. Y- y'all, just so you know, I- I'm, not, I'm not worried about the organization of our church. You know, I actually think our church is structured really well for this. Now, we're positioned really well for this. I think, um, I, th- I think we may actually be stronger on the back end because of this. But what I am burdened for are each of your souls. I, I really am. Uh, pastorally, I really, I really care for each of you. It, it aches me uh, to not be able to see your smiling faces, to see you on a Sunday. Uh, and it pains me to have to speak to you through a camera. It really does. But I'm trusting, I'm trusting in God's providence. I'm believing in faith that God is up to something. I really believe that God is up to something. And so, you know, God has been stirring my heart for today. 
And then we get to a text that has been planned uh, for weeks in advance, far before we ever knew anything like uh, this would happen. Uh, And it hits home with part of the burden that God has placed on my heart for each of you. It really does. New City Church, I believe God has a word for us today. I hope you'll listen. As we'll see from our text, it's going to be a little salty. Um, I promise I'm not angry with you. Know that I love and care for each of you very much. Uh, This text has been has been grueling for me this week. It's a hard text to preach, especially in a time like this. Uh, But I think it's for our good. I really believe that this is going to be for our good. I believe God has placed a warning in front of us today, something for us to take very seriously. And I believe that this text is very, very timely for New City Church. I believe it's very timely for us in in, in our day. Uh, But before we get going, I do want to introduce our text, kind of remind us where where we've been. In Mark, leading up to this passage, as, as we've mentioned over the past several weeks, the disciples have been trying to understand who Jesus is, but they haven't been getting it. And as we saw two weeks ago, Jesus just kind of finally came out and told them plainly of who he was, that he was going to suffer and die, that he's not going to be carried off with rubies and roses as the royal king of Messiah like they thought. Uh, he, wouldn't have a, he wouldn't be crowned with rubies. No, he would be crowned with thorns. And he's beginning to make it clear that Jesus the Messiah is not the miracle worker. He's the suffering servant, as we've we said over and over. And then last week, we saw Peter, James, and John uh, re- go up on top of a mountain to, uh, for, for Jesus to reveal his glory to them, fulfilling much of the Old Testament prophecies that were, were brought up throughout the Old Testament, continuing to make it clear that, yes, Jesus is the Messiah, continuing to open up their eyes, continuing to give them understanding And then we see when Jesus comes down the mountain, Jesus performs yet another miracle. Uh, He tells of his death and resurrection. He tells of it a second time. Uh, And it's clear that the disciples, they they still have not fully uh, grasped his Messiahship. Their understanding is still a little slow at this point. And so Jesus continues to teach. He continues to open up their eyes. He continues to open up their understanding. And then we get to our passage for today. In the middle of a longer teaching moment, uh, starting in verse 42. If you have your Bibles, uh, go ahead and, and, and go to Mark chapter 9, starting in verse 42. If you don't have your Bibles, it'll be up here on the screen. You can, you can follow along with us there. Uh, th- this is where Jesus is teaching. He, Jesus says, Whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him if a great millstone were hung around his neck and were thrown into the sea. And if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life crippled than with two hands to go to hell to the unquenchable fire. And if your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life lame than with two feet to be thrown into hell. And if your eye causes you to sin, tear it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than with, than with two eyes to be thrown into hell, where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. For everyone will be salted with fire. Salt is good, but if the salt has lost its saltiness, how will you make it salty again? Have salt in yourself and be at peace with one another. Uh, I told you that today was going to be a little salty. This is a very serious topic that we cannot take lightly. Today, our passage is dealing with the seriousness of sin. It's dealing with sin, killing sin in our life. And this is not a light and fluffy topic, but when the world gets turned upside down, we don't need light and fluffy. We need truth. And as, you've, as you may have picked up when we read this text, being cavalier, being nonchalant, being uh, not serious about our sin, that was not in the cards for Jesus. It wasn't. 
It shouldn't be in the cards for us either, especially during quarantine. We cannot be cavalier about sin. If you're listening and if you're watching here, and New City Church is not what you would not normally call New City Church your home. Maybe somebody here, maybe, maybe you know somebody at New City Church, and you've kind of stumbled across this video, and you've made it this far in the service. Know this. Some of what I'm going to say, it may feel harsh. I understand that. This is not easy for me either. It's not. Uh, dealing with sin, this is not a fun topic, especially during a worldwide crisis. But I think it's necessary. This is God's warning to us to be attentive and alert. I want to encourage you to try to try really hard to, to, to focus in and pay attention. Instead of, instead of uh, tuning out, I hope you're going to hang with us to the end because we do have a message of hope. We do. We have great hope. So with that said, something that we see from this text as we continue to seek to answer the question, who is Jesus in our series, uh, we'll see today in our main idea that Jesus despises sin. Jesus despises sin. He hates it. Jesus just told his disciples to deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow him. Jesus has made it clear that he must suffer and die, and today he continues to teach us who he is, letting his disciples know of his hatred of the very thing that sent him to the cross, the very thing that Jesus died for. He hates it. Your sin, my sin, all of our sin, his disciples' sin. The reason I believe this message is so timely for us is because, listen, when we are put in isolation, when we are put in loneliness, and, and, and when we're removed from the church body, sin can fester. Sin can grow in our hearts. There's an old proverb that goes something like this, I don't hands with the devil, devil's handiwork. When we're put in isolation, when we're put in quarantine, sin is lurking at our door. It is along with fear and doubt and unbelief and frustration and anger and a whole host of other things. Brothers and sisters, I don't want you to survive your quarantine. I want you to thrive in your quarantine. I get the impression that God may be stripping us of things, stripping me of things, of idols in our lives. I would not be surprised if the past week, over the past week and in the weeks to come, if there were things that bubble up to the surface. Whatever, struggle, whatever we normally struggle with, whatever sin struggles we may have, uh, emotional struggles, fear, anxiety, loneliness, doubt, frustrations, they're probably going to be amplified. So hear God's word today. Hear what God has to say for us, say to us. Don't waste this time. Don't waste your quarantine. Use your quarantine to kill sin in your life, to purify your heart. Whatever this, whenever this has all passed, Whenever this is all done, said and done, I pray that we will be better and stronger and more like Jesus because of this. Brothers and sisters, God is up to something. Be attentive. Be attentive to what the Spirit is doing in your life. Be attentive to the Spirit's direction. Don't waste your quarantine. Whenever our lives experience challenge and difficulty, the directions we can, be, we can take during these times, they can be much more extreme and much more polarized. We all understand this and we're aware of this. We all need to get this. We can either be sent into a downward spiral and spin out of control, or we can lean into what God has for us, and we can grow, and God can mature us during these times. Times like this, when we find out who's in and who's out. It, it really, that, that's what happens. Persecution and difficulty throughout the history of the church, it crushes the lukewarm Christian, and it strengthens the faithful. That's what it does. New City Church, I really believe God wants to use this time for our good. Let's not waste it but it doesn't mean it's not going to be painful. It doesn't mean it's not going to be hard. If God, if God wants to stir a revival, 
If God wants to do something, if God wants to, to stir something in us, it always starts with repentance. And today's text is massively important. It's serious. It's salty. It's a warning for us. This text, our text today, is leading us to repentance. God's word today is leading us, is leading New City Church to kill and destroy sin in our lives. Something we see so clearly throughout history is that a revival in the city always begins with revival in the heart. What does God want to do in our city? What does God want to, what does God want to do in our country and in our world I really believe that God has something for us. Let's not waste this time. Listen, as we move forward, <laughs> know that I'm not, speaking, I'm not speaking to you in anger. I'm only seeking to mimic the seriousness that Jesus portrays in this text. If I don't do this, if, I, if I'm not a bit salty today, I'm not doing the very thing that God has called me to do. God has called me to proclaim God's word to proclaim to our church God's word. And brothers and sisters, I'm not messing around today. I'm not. I've been so burdened over each of you this week, burdened by not being able to see you, by seeing, not seeing your smiling face, knowing very good and well what something like this, being isolated, can do to our church, doing to each of us, knowing that we have an enemy that wants to turn our hearts away from God and wants, we have an enemy that wants to draw our affections to the world. And then God places this text in my lap. We must take this seriously because God despises sin. I really believe this is what we need. It's, it's hard, it's shocking, but this is for our good. This is for our good. And with that said, we're going to structure our time very simply today. Uh, based out of our text, number one, we're going to say kill sin. And two, be salty. I'm going to walk back through this text again. We're going to teach and explain a few things. It's heavy and it's serious, but I promise you, I promise you we won't leave without hope, okay? So let's look back again, starting at verse 42. Whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him if a great millstone were hung around his neck and we were thrown into the sea. I told you, Jesus was not playing around. All right, he's serious. Uh, if you remember from the passage we covered in our groups a few weeks ago, if you, if you guys are in a city group, that's, we, we, we cover this in city groups, a few verses prior to this, in the same teaching moment, Jesus finds a small child out in the crowd. He, he brings him into his arms with care, and, and he begins to teach the crowd using this small child as an illustration. And then, with that same child, he begins to draw everyone's attention towards his hatred towards sin. And as we just read, I'm going to read it again. This is what it says. Whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him if a great millstone were hung around his neck and were thrown into the sea. Jesus is making it very clear. He despises sin. This leads us to our first point. We need to kill sin. We need to kill sin. But something I want to point out here and for us to understand is that Jesus is not just talking about children. He's talking about anyone who's a Christian, anyone who follows Christ. He says in verse 42, he says, someone specifically who believes in me, someone who believes in me. We see throughout the New Testament, followers of Christ are considered children, God's children. In fact, in the, in the book of 1 John, John addresses his, children, his readers as little children, as little children. What Mark is essentially saying 
is that if we are, we as followers of Jesus, if we as Christians cause others to sin, it would be better for you instead to get into a boat, to go onto a boat, go out into the middle of the ocean, tie a massive boulder around your neck, and be thrown into the sea with the boulder. Which sounds like a really bad fishing trip. Or a sassy line in a Medea movie. Uh, but no, this is not a Medea sassy moment. Y'all, I'm telling you, Jesus is not playing around. He hates sin. He despises it. Look back at verse 42. It's dealing specifically with causing others to sin. That's what he's dealing with, causing others to sin. And so we need to, we need to evaluate what are we doing to cause others to sin in relationships, in relationships, husbands, wives, roommates, whoever you're with during your quarantine. How are you stirring up one another to anger? Are, we, are you instigating each other? Are we instigating each other towards sin? During quarantine, I would not be surprised if this happens more often. Siblings fighting, marital strife, family and roommate tensions, arguing on social media. Let's not instigate each other towards sin. Let's not do it. Again, the two divides. We either lead others towards sin or we're lead, leading others towards Jesus. Which will it be? Let's help those around us. Let's help our brothers and sisters. Let's help each other to kill sin and run to Jesus. Look at verse 43 and 47. We've got three similar illustrations here that lead us us to kill sin in our own life. Look at verse 43. It says, And if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life crippled than with two hands to go to hell to the unquenchable fire. And if your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life lame than with two feet to be thrown into hell. And if your eye causes you to sin, tear it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than with two eyes to be thrown into hell. Again, Jesus is reiterating his hatred towards sin, but he's using three different illustrations as an example. He's using our hands, our feet, and our eyes. Verse 43 says, if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Verse 45, if your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. If verse 47, if your eye causes you to sin, tear it out. Before we jump into those verses, something I just want to point out that is a bit interesting, but I, I think it's just worth noting. I don't, want to, I don't want to skip over this. If you notice, verse 44 and 46, they're not, they're not there. At least in the ESV Bible, they're not there. Some Bibles have these verses, some don't. Um, if, you don't have it in your, if you don't have it in your Bible, it's basically verse 48 repeated. Verse 44 and 46, if they're not there, it would have been uh, the same thing as verse 48. And you know, it's believed that uh, later manuscripts added those verses to continue with the parallel nature of the passage. But today is not a day for textual criticism. Textual criticism. If you're hung up on that, let me know. Let us know. Uh, we can talk through that on another day. But regardless, it's there. Uh, if, if it's there or if it's not there, it doesn't change the meaning of the text. Nothing about the, the Word of God changes it there if it's, not, if it's there or if it's not there. Um, and another small but, but very important part, side note for today, uh, let me make this very, very clear. Jesus is not being literal here. This is hyperbole. This is an overstatement to get his point across. If anyone listening or watching this decides to go and cut off your hand or your foot or tear out your eye, I am not liable for this. Okay, in this video right here, that's proof. You've got it on camera. I am not liable for that. The point Jesus is making here is that there is something in your life that is causing you to sin. Get rid of it. Cut it out. Stop it. Sin is drastic. 
and it requires drastic measures. Here are a few examples. If there's a place, if there's a habit or a routine that is causing you to sin, cut it out. Get rid of it. If social media, if the internet or your phone is causing you to covet, to be anxious, to be fearful, to lust, get rid of it. Get it out. Cut it out of your life. If you have a friend or if you have a group of friends that continually bring you down, causing you to sin, listen, they're not good friends for you. They're not. If you want to spend time with them because they're not a believer, they don't tr- haven't trusted in Christ, do it with someone that can hold you accountable. Do not spend time with them alone. Whatever is causing you to sin, cut it out. Jesus is calling for drastic measures here, not cavalier small things. He's calling for drastic, dire measures. I don't know what it is in your life. I don't. But Jesus is calling us. He's calling each individual person at New City Church, each individual person that calls them a follower of Christ. In this passage, he's calling us to kill sin. As John Owen has said, we need to be killing sin or it will be killing us. I, I wouldn't be surprised if the sin in your life has become more evident over the past several weeks. If you're not sure how to cut it out, talk to someone in your D group. Talk to, talk to, your, talk to your, your, your group leader. Talk to me. Talk to Kelly. Just talk to someone. Just because we can't meet on, some, on Sundays doesn't mean we stop being the church. The church is the church gathered and it's also the church scattered. We're, just because we're not gathered together does not mean we're not the church. During this season, we have got to learn how to be the church scattered. We need to learn how to care and encourage and hold each other accountable and help each other to kill sin as the scattered people of God. And here, here are just a few practical ways that we can do that. Try to call people more than you text. Texting is impersonal. It really is. <laughs> I know some of you guys love to Love to text, and, and that's great. Keep doing it. But pick up the phone and call someone. Don't wait for your community group leader. Don't wait for your D group leader to call you. Right? Pick up the phone, call someone in your D group, and ask how you can pray for them. And pray for them over the phone. Let's, let's be a church that loves to pray for each other, that longs to be together. Our D groups will be meeting weekly. We're, we're going to be meeting over Zoom or FaceTime or other o- online video platforms. Let's use this time well. Uh, let's get in the Word together, and we're going to be in First Peter. Uh, pray for each other. Let's pray for each other. Maybe set up a recurring FaceTime or Zoom call that someone, uh, someone in your group, outside of your normal group time, or someone who lives by themselves, specifically someone who lives by themselves. Let's care for each other. Also, you can, you can jump. We have, we have a First Peter Bible study every Tuesday night. It's starting, it's starting on Tuesday night at 7 p.m., Patrick Anderson is going to be leading this time. This is going to be a great time for us. I know it's, the time is going to be a little harder for families. We're going to be recording it, We're going to, so you can send it out each re, so we can send it out uh, for that specific reason. Um, but we were made to live life with each other. We have we have the gift of technology. Let's use it. Let's use it well. Let's care for one another well. I really I really believe while we're the church scattered. God wants to deepen us. God wants to bond us to closer together. God, God, because we don't realize what we have until it's taken from us. We don't. I want us to intentionally care for one another really, really well during this time to help each other to, to fight sin and fight doubt and fight fear and fight unbelief and help each other to be the church together during this time. Because in our text, Jesus, Jesus gives us a stark warning. 
he gives us a stark warning on the consequence of sin. And this is, and this, this is where it gets heavy, actually. Uh, and we're about to turn up the heat a bit more, okay? Uh, we've got a subpoint. We've got a topic that comes up in this passage that we need to wrestle with. This is, this is not your typical positive and encouraging quarantine topic that you would expect. Um, if I'm going to be faithful to the text, I cannot ignore it. This is quite possibly one of the more unpopular topics in the Bible. And uh, in our culture specifically, not just, it's, it's more unpopular in our culture. So with that said, we're going to talk briefly about hell. Happy quarantining to you. So look with me at verse 47 and 49, through 49. And if your eye causes you to sin, tear it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than with two eyes to be thrown into hell, where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched, for everyone will be salted with fire. And also, just to point out uh, that the theme even more in our passage earlier in the text, in verses 43 and 45, when he talks about cutting off your, your, your hand and your foot, uh, because of sin, he says in the second half of verse 43, he says, it's better for you to enter life crippled than with two hands to go to hell, to the unquenchable fire. And then down in verse 45, the second half of verse 45, it says, it's better for you to enter life lame than with two feet and be thrown into hell. Using these verses, I just want to make a few observations about hell. It's important that we look to see what the Bible says about hell, not what we want to think about hell or what the culture thinks about hell. And something I know going into, the, into this is that we do not like gloom and doom preaching, right? Fire and brimstone, brimstone preaching is not popular in our culture, which I get because it can often lack grace uh, and, and kindness, but it doesn't mean we don't talk about it. We still need to talk about hell. If that, it would be a massive overcorrection if we never talked about hell. If we just skirted around it, that would not be loving. That would not be loving. Giving the truth is the most loving thing to do, but it's, it must be seasoned with grace. Our culture loves to talk about grace, but our, we struggle to talk about hell. And I get it. Hell's not a fun topic to discuss. But, but what we can't, fully, we can't fully understand God's grace until we fully understand hell. We can say it this way. Grace is not understood by diluting the truth. Grace is understood in light of the truth. We hear this all the time. You know that all roads lead to God, and we know, uh, we know that the Bible is clear on this, that the only way to God is through Jesus. But if we wanted to be cute about it, uh, we could say, okay, yes, yes, all roads lead to God. Uh, but most, if not all, but one road will lead to God's wrath. Listen, it would be far more unloving if we never talked about hell or if we try to downplay or dilute it. So we're going to talk about hell, but we're going to talk about hell the way Jesus talked about it. First, we see from our passage that hell is real. That hell is real. The word hell mentioned three times in our passage. Throughout the Old, throughout the old and New Testament, uh, there are many references that, that kind of reference an eternal place of punishment. And so it's widely talked about, but in our passage, Jesus specifically calls it by name. He calls it hell. And for those that believe in Jesus, that love the doctrine of God, but yet somehow reject the doctrine of hell, it really makes absolutely no sense to me. It doesn't. Why would Jesus need to die if hell wasn't real? 
we have to understand the bad news for the gospel to be good news. And hell is the bad news. Jesus is the good news. And running in line with that, the bad news of hell, secondly, hell is tragic. Hell is tragic. In verse 43, hell is called an unquenchable fire. An unquenchable fire. The question that often comes up, you know, we hear this often, is, is it like a literal fire? Is it, is it a figurative fire? Um, to be honest, I don't know. But regardless, if it's equated with a fire that never goes out, being stuck in an unquenchable fire, that's tragic. That is tragic. Y'all, I want to complain about a little sunburn, okay? Uh, hell will be far, 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 infinitely far worse. It's gonna be, it will be tra- tragic. It's torturous. It's not just uncomfortable. Hell is not just un- a little bit of uncomfort. No, hell is tragic. It's torturous. Matthew 25 describes it as weeping and gnashing of teeth. Luke 16 calls it a place of torment. And then third, we see in our text that hell is eternal. Hell is eternal. In verse 48, it says, where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. We know from this passage and other passages like Matthew 25 and Revelation, in the book of Revelation, that hell never ends. It's eternal. It's torturous. The, the torturous and tragic nature of hell, it never stops. It never ends. Our, the, our passage says the, the fire never goes out and the worm never dies. It's eternal torture and torment and anguish. Jesus calls us to take drastic measures of our sin because the consequences of our sin are far more drastic. They're far more drastic. And we think about this for us in our present day situation. This is not, this is not fun to think about. It's hard, it's tragic, but it's true. This is true. With a global pandemic looming over us, where more people are dying, exponentially dying, day by day. I mean, the numbers are rising every day, exponentially. The world, I mean, just think about this. The world right now is quarantined for the purpose of saving lives. The spiritual monitor for people is going to be significantly higher. When we think about death and the reality of hell, it's tragic. It's absolutely tragic. And this is a burden that we should all be reminded of during this time. That we should, this should lead us to our knees. This should lead us to our knees and beg God to save people. Beg God in prayer. We must remember that the gospel is only good news if it gets there in time. It's only good news if it gets there in time. The greatest problem in our world right now is not a global pandemic or a looming economic crisis. The greatest problem in our world is the consequence of sin. Brothers and sisters, as we know, hell is the bad news, but Jesus is the good news. New City Church, we have news for a world that is searching. COVID-19 cannot overcome the world because Jesus has already done that. He has already done that. When Jesus came down to earth, as we've seen in the book of Mark, he came as the great healer. He came as the miracle worker. He came as the great provider. And he also came in times of crisis. All things that we need to remember today. But more importantly, Jesus came to take the sting of death and hell. If you're, not, if you're listening in and you feel the weight of your sin and you have a fear of death and hell, hear the good news of the gospel today. Hear it. Hear this, Jesus came down to earth. He never sinned. He never did anything wrong. He came to be the perfect living sacrifice. And when Jesus died on the cross, he died the death that we deserve. The millstone, 
that we deserve, the boulder that we deserve to be tied around our neck and thrown into the abyss of the sea because of our sin, instead of us being tossed into the sea because of our sin, metaphorically speaking, when Jesus went to the cross, Jesus took our rope and he tied it around his neck and he threw himself into the sea with the boulder of our sin. But the good news of the gospel is that Jesus' mercy and power was greater than the, mercy, than, than, the, than the boulder of our sin. The boulder of our sin could not hold Jesus down. No, it could not hold Jesus down. But rather, he overcame the sea of wrath. When Jesus died on the cross, he defeated and overcame our sin, death, and the eternal punishment of hell. Not only did Jesus defeat sin, death, and hell, he also granted a gift to us. He, he granted to us his eternal goodness and glory forever. Rather than the consequence of eternity in hell, we're given the gift of an eternity in heaven. And as we'll see, and we talk about often here at New City Church, the gift of God's grace is not just for heaven. The gift of God's grace is for the here and now. God's gift to us, God's gift of grace to us, it also extends to us while we're sitting in our quarantine while we're sitting in our quarantine. Brothers and sisters, this is good news for us today. If you are in Christ, if you claim Christ as your Savior, as your King, hear this today. Death has no claim over you, sin has no power over you, and hell has no place for you. No, rather, Jesus has claimed you, Jesus has infused you with his power, and Jesus has made a place for you in his presence for eternity. Brothers and sisters, New City Church, COVID-19 is not ruling the world. An unstable economy is not our hope, and our quarantine is not our destiny. No, if we claim Christ as king, we can revel in the fact that Jesus rules the world. Jesus is our hope, and an eternity with Jesus is our destiny. That's the gospel. That's our hope. That's our soul's satisfaction. Anything else will crumble and fall. It will all crumble and fall. And as I said earlier, COVID-19 cannot overcome the world because Jesus has already done that. Hear this today. Our time in quarantine, it's but a glimpse of eternity. This is a small glimpse of eternity. Let's turn up our spiritual antennas and let's not waste this time. Which leads us to our final point. Be salty. And no, uh, I don't mean uh, be salty in the way our culture means be salty, like being mean or rude. Uh, That's not what I mean. Sometimes y'all wonder if I live under a rock, and no, I do not live under a rock. I know what he means. I know what that means. So let me define what we mean, what I mean when we say be salty, and we're going to use verse 50 to look at it. Salt is good, but if the salt has lost its saltiness, how will you make it salty again? Have salt in yourself and be at peace with one another. Salt during uh, this time specifically, it was a valuable resource You couldn't just go to Publix uh, and pick it up off the shelf. Maybe it was a little bit like toilet paper today. I don't know. Uh, We kind of understand the value of salt. You know, people like to put salt on just about anything. doesn't matter what it is. Uh, When you get your plate of food, what's the first thing you do? You put salt and pepper on it, right? Salt is something we do. I've actually uh, cut salt out. Um, It's a new thing for me, so I feel like I can throw stones. Instead of having salt, I put Texas peat, which is essentially the same thing as salt. So, (laughs) <laughs> but during this time, right, just, but during this time in history, uh, they didn't have refrigerators. Uh, salt was used to preserve food. It was also something that killed bacteria. 
Uh, and it was used for ceremonial sacrifices. And as, as you're aware, salt can also be diluted. Uh, when it's diluted, it loses its effectiveness. And so knowing that, uh, if we look again at the first part of verse 50, it says, salt is good, but if the salt has lost its saltiness, how will you make it salty again? And so at first glance, when I say be salty, we could say be effective. Uh, be an effective witness. Represent Jesus well to the world. And, and maybe during our quarantine, you reach out to an at-risk neighbor. You know, maybe, you, maybe you try to go to the grocery store for them if, if you can still even do that. Uh, things are changing daily. Maybe you find a healthcare worker that needs to help with their kids so they can actually go to work. Or maybe you just help, you, do, you host an online homeschool group or online tutoring for kids and families that need help. And also, um, we, we also need to do all of this and remembering sometimes the, the, the best thing we can actually do during this time is to stay home. We can love our neighbor by staying home. I know we've created a page on our on New City's website to, nav- to help navigate through this on COVID-19. We're still, um, we're, we're still called to love and serve our community, so I hope that will be a helpful resource for you, for us during this quarantine time. But we need, to, we need to balance more than ever walking in wisdom while also uh, loving our community and not being crippled by fear. But the next, the, the, the next, being salty, it also could mean keeping the faith, remaining faithful, being distinguished by our faith by the way we live. And this actually runs well in line with the rest of, our, the, rest of the passage because our sin, our sin dilutes our effectiveness and how we're distinguished from the world. A pointed and very direct uh, question to ask ourselves, just, just drawing from the weight uh, and intensity of Jesus' passage, just from the, from the passage of Jesus. Here's a question. Is the way we live leading others to hell or to the cross? That's a hard pill to swallow. That's a hard pill to swallow, but it's something for us to c- consider. And another question we get asked, is our quarantine fixed on the world or the cross? You know, what are the things we're consuming? What are we filling our mind with? Are the things we're consuming, the things we're watching and reading, are they diluting us? Are they making us salty? And this is not to, to, to say we, couldn't, we shouldn't watch Netflix or watch shows, uh, but just be aware of what we're doing. Are, are, we, are we making ourselves more salt? Are we doing the things that are going to make us salty? Uh, but now more than ever, we need to watch, watch what's filling our minds and hearts. But the idea Jesus is getting at is he's calling us to kill sin because it dilutes our saltiness. But then, whenever we cut something out of our life, uh, we have to replace it with something else. We need to run towards saltiness. So with that said, there's one more way we can uh, be salty that I want to point out in this last couple minutes before we end our time. Specifically in Matthew 5, during the Sermon on the Mount, when Jesus refers to the salt of the earth, uh, a Christian being salty, it, it immediately follows the Sermon on the Mount, where it immediately follows rejoicing in hardship, rejoicing during trials and in persecution, which I think is really good for us to hear today. We must remember to rejoice. Uh, we must remember to find joy in our quarantine. One of the greatest distinctions a Christian can have one of the best ways to be salty is to still rejoice in the midst of, of a trial. Because listen, our hope and joy is not found on earth. Our hope and joy, it's eternal. It cannot be shaken. This should be something, we should, this should lead us to an unmistakable joy. 
It's salt to the world. Our joy that we find in Christ, it's salt to the world. It's valuable. It's what the world needs. We need to remember that our greatest hope right now is not getting out of our quarantine. No, our hope right now is that now more than ever, now in remembering that God is with us. Jesus did not leave us at the cross, and he won't leave us now. The God of the universe does not have a stay-at-home order. The God of the universe does not have to stay six feet away from us. The God of the universe owns the cattle on a thousand hills, knows when the sparrow falls from the ground, and provides for the lilies of the field. The economy of God is far greater than a crippling economy. The God of the universe has given us a far greater gift than a check from the government. The greatest hope for the people around us right now is, is if, that's, if the greatest hope that people have is a $2 trillion stimulus from the government or a coronavirus vaccine, we should be grieved and quick to show others, no, we have a much greater hope. We have an eternal hope. We have an eternal inheritance that is not dependent on the stock market. The coronavirus may infect our bodies, but it cannot infect our souls. We may be forced into isolation, but we are never isolated from the God who saves us. Brothers and sisters, the God of the universe who holds the whole world in, our hand, in his hands, he sees what's happening, he knows the struggle of the world, and he's not surprised by this. I don't know how God will use this for his good, but we can believe and trust that he will. I wholeheartedly believe that God is up to something. Plagues and pandemics, they're all throughout our history and throughout the history of the church. And each time, the, each time the Christian hope and rejoicing shines through, it shines through to a watching world. And so as we wrap up our time to tie everything together, I believe God's word for us today is to kill sin, to destroy it because Jesus despises sin because it sent him to the cross. But then in turn, not just stopping there, Running, but running towards saltiness. Running towards joy when the world runs towards fear. Running towards gladness when the world runs towards anger. Running towards peace, stillness, and calmness when the world runs towards angst. Let's not equate our quarantine with hell. Let's believe God is up to something in our lives, in our city, and in our world. Let's believe in faith that God wants to change us. God wants to work in us. God wants to have us cling to our eternal hope that's found in Jesus. What God, what is God going to do with you? What is God going to do with us during our quarantine? I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful that God will kill sin in our lives. I'm hopeful that God will make us salty. New City Church, let's fight for saltiness in our quarantined world. Let's pray. Father, you are over all things. You're over the coronavirus. You're over our lives. And we, we see that. We know that. Father, we pray that you would strip us of all the idols in our life, that you would allow us to cling to the cross, to find hope in the cross. And Father, we pray that you would grow in us, in New City Church, a hatred towards our sin, that we would hate our sin as much as Jesus hates our sin. But Father, but we, would, we pray that we would never forget the hope of the gospel that we found and what Jesus did for us. That although he hates our sin, he still went and he died for us. Father, we have a great hope. Father, we need you. We need you now more than ever. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.